What's your favorite scary movie? Stop Horror Time, the podcast for 220-something LVT of MVT's Talk the Horror Movie of the Week, real-life crime or events, and if it's worthy of being an honorary gay film. And yes, the titles are puns. I'm Elle. I'm Kate. Hello. And we, have, we have a special guest here today if you'd like to introduce yourself. Sure. Uh, my name is Brennan. I am a co-host of the Attack of the Queer Wolf podcast for Fangoria. Thank you so much for joining us, Brandon. No problem. Yes. Thank you for inviting me. Oh, of course. Yeah. So, um, I I told you you could choose what you wanted, and you chose Alfred Hitchcock's The Birds. I sure did. Would you like to just uh, first off say like why you chose that? Uh, well, I mean, you and I, Kate, had actually been talking about The Birds semi recently. I don't remember yeah. even how it came up. It was because, okay, someone I follow on Instagram, some, like, horror dyke on Instagram, was posting about how, like, one scene from it looked like it was from a lesbian pulp novel, and I was like, oh, and then you're like, this is my favorite Hitchcock movie, and I'm like, oh, and so, like, I just added it, it it became a priority on my watch list after those two things, because I'd never seen it. Yeah, and as it should be, I, look, I, we'll, we'll get into it, but I am mildly disappointed that it earned an uncharacteristically low but positive uh, letterbox review from you. Oh, wow. um, <laughs> like seven out of ten would be great in general but from you it feels like an insult oh my god i'm sorry i know i'm usually way too nice on on letterboxd no exactly I- no usually you're no because usually you're like five stars there's gay shit let's do this <laughs> i should have uh, like not given it a rating I no 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 no, no. Like, oh, no that's okay that's i was just joking but well, um we'll, we'll get into it no anyway yeah the birds came up as it does because if I'm talking about classic films, I'm pretty much going to be talking about the birds at some point. <laughs> um, I find it to be such a fascinating film, and it's my favorite of the Hitchcock films that I've mm-hmm. seen. Like, look, I'm no, you know, Hitchcock completist, but I've seen my fair share. I went mm-hmm. to film school. Oh. <laughs> um, <laughs> so yeah, I've seen an exhausting amount, even though it's a much smaller amount than most of the other people that I went to school with. <laughs> um, but the the birds is one that I've always really responded to. I find it to be such a fun, like kind of dippy wacky movie, but also I find it to be really excellent in actually crafting tension and being like, you know what? Oh, Hitchcock was a good director. Yada, yada, who cares? <laughs> um, but yeah, it's just, it, it's a movie that I really respond to in a lot of different ways, which we'll get into. But yeah. so it was the first time watch for you, Kate it was the first time watch yes. for you, Elle. Uh, this was the second time I'd actually seen it fully. Uh, the okay. first time I ever saw it, I was like, really little and my dad just flipped it onto the channel and i just happened to see like the bird attacking scene so i was like that's great <laughs> yeah, that's all you need <laughs> that's all i saw and then i watched it for the first time like a year or so ago so. okay so we're refreshing your memory yeah. the most yeah. i'd seen was like in one of in one of the film classes i took we watched like the opening scene and then never finished it because we read huh. the short story it was like a film is literature oh. class and we read the short story which has nothing to do with this yeah <laughs> i I don't understand, like, that short story, I've, it's been a minute since I've read it, but isn't it about, like, either a couple or a family just kind of hold up in a house? And it's... Yeah, and it's, like, it, it is like in, in Britain, because it was Daphne du Maurier. Yes. Um, yeah. See, I, I, think it, I think literally what they grabbed from it was, like, what if birds were, like, attacking people? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> pretty much. Yeah, but that, that, that 
it's kind of shitty. Like, not only, like, oh, let's compare the adaptations, but it's like, oh, let's compare this scene that's literally nowhere near anything <laughs> that happens in the short story. Yeah, has literally... <laughs> it's just... It's just... <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, let's get into it then, I guess. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah. Brandon, I should first off say... Like, upon a rewatch, I'd probably give it a higher one. I think literally, like, I was overthinking it. I'm like, I've been giving out too many four-star reviews. No, and no, I no. just panicked. Look, that's okay. <laughs> you should it's... always you should always go with your gut when you're watching a movie and when you're rating it. And you can always change it later if it grows on you. Because movies do that. And sometimes yeah. they grow away from you. <laughs> yeah. No, this was, yeah. This was, like, because this was a first-time watch for me. And it does... The, I think I'm just, like, have no attention span. And it does take a while for shit to start happening. But that is true. It, yeah, but then what it does, oh my god, holy moly. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so this was Tippi Hedren's big breakout role. Right? Um, yes. I guess at some point we should address the elephant in a room of, like, <laughs> Hitchcock's treatment of his uh, yeah. female <laughs> actors, and specifically Tippi Hedren. Like, I guess we could just flat out <laughs> address that. Oh, yeah, look, um... <laughs> As with any time you're addressing any art, especially made by someone who identifies as male, there's going to be a problem with that person, most likely. <laughs> um, True. Especially in this time period. Yeah, Hitchcock yeah. was kind of a tyrant and very, very cruel to all the people that he worked with, especially Tippi Hedren. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I, I have not refreshed my memory as to the specifics of that recently. I don't know if either of you have. Um, I did, yeah, well, because like, I was trying to find... She's since spoken about it a lot, like in interviews, and there was even like a made-for-TV movie about a decade Ooh. ago about the relationship and everything, and like, because that's the the specific interview that I found some stuff from was a, a, after the release of that movie. They're like, "So did you get your revenge on him?" And she's like, "I don't. That's not really what this was for." And she even like addressed that, like, what is she? She said, you, or, "I have a quote from her." said, you don't get it. He ruined my career, but he didn't ruin my life. That time of my life was over. I still admire the man for who he was. So it's like this kind of complicated relationship. So like we were saying, like, Mm -hmm. even if she didn't like him as a person and she has fair reason to be, she still, like, respected what he was doing art-wise, which I guess is why we're here. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, and I guess, look, having that kind of clarity, you know, decades after someone has done something horrible to you is not completely uncommon. Yeah. That's probably not something she would have said in, you know, 1971. Yeah, yeah, for um, sure. But, you know, people change. Guy's fucking dead, you know? So... <laughs> Bye. Yeah. Bye. And that does help with... I mean, Hitchcock is a complicated figure if you know, or if you're trying to approach something from, like, a socially justified perspective. Yeah. Um, but, you know, he's out of here. He's not hurting anyone he's, anymore. I know. Um, yeah. And that does help if you you know, can find any way to separate things. And I'm never trying to praise the man as a man (laughs) ever. I just like the birds. (laughs) No, I know. (laughs) Just think the birds is neat. That's fine. No. Yeah. That's all. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, but it's, I found some good interviews from Hitchcock too about this, not about what kind of man he was, but about the birds and like... He's like, I'm a great one. A he's plus. Like, I, he's like, I love, <laughs> I respect women. And then he was like crossing over. No. Um, you will never find anyone who respects women more than me. <laughs> me, Alfred Hitchcock. Send. No. Um, <laughs> That's the really, tweet. <laughs> he was mainly talking about 
the meaning behind this and the analogy. It, it Honestly, it was so fascinating, especially as a first watch, to be watching this during a global pandemic. Not that we're being attacked yeah. by birds or anything, but... The, we'll, we'll get into that. but cause No, it, it hit way different this right? time. Yeah, Especially like the scene in the diner where like yes. so many people are in denial and everyone's like, we full on just witnessed a bird attack. And they're like, yeah, right. Like that, <laughs> that, that hits hard. That hits different. But um, because he said that this is all analogy for like how a man should be responsible for nature and like not to take it for granted and everything. And not that this, it's ever really like. Nor, nor should it be, like, addressed why the birds are doing this. Mm-hmm. It's more about the response, I think, of everyone acting so entitled about the space they're taking up when it's the bird's space, too. You know what I mean? They're yeah. Like, well, let's just shoot them. Let's just get them out of here. Like, we're, we're here. I don't know if anyone has <laughs> thoughts on that. I guess not. <laughs> um, I guess not. Okay, <laughs> wow! No, uh, yeah, I don't know. Well... There, sorry, I, I was still thinking about the the diner scene because that one. Oh, of course. Do you want to get back into that? Uh, sure. No, just because right. it was especially harrowing. Like upon rewatch in the current yeah. context, like yeah. the idea of everyone reacting to it completely differently. Like the mother want just wanting them to stop talking about it so her kids yeah. wouldn't freak out, and the Bible guy who's like everything's fucked, we're all doomed. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then there's some people who do believe her and some people who don't because they didn't personally witness it. And they're like, oh, yeah. it's probably fine. It's probably yeah. nothing. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But then, you know, they all witness it themselves. And within minutes, the diner is empty. It's just yeah. this eerie, like, complete change in less than two minutes. And yeah. I was like, oh, that feels that feels like when I went to pick up a hamburger at this empty restaurant the <laughs> other day. Like, oh, it's, no. it's super eerie. Yeah, it is. Yeah. And then, and then later on in the movie, it's always just, you literally have to see it firsthand, I guess, in this, because like later on on the radio, they're like, well, there's many eyewitnesses, but it's sketchy. And it's like a full town just witnessed a bird attack and an explosion. <laughs> oh my God. That- well, some stuff seems unreal until you're experiencing yeah. it. Yeah. Um, like I literally, um, not to be like too grim, dark about our horrible times, but <laughs> Um, I was walking to the grocery store recently and in the city where I live, um, it, it, the, there was a mandate released yesterday that you have to wear a mask if you're entering a store of any kind, and otherwise mm-hmm. you're not going to be let in. Um, so I was walking by with this mask and there was this guy on the street and he was like, you know, there's no virus, right? <gasps> oh, my oh, oh my God. And I'm just like, oh, thank God we're <laughs> saved. <laughs> but oh that's just, that's just oh. someone who. He hasn't seen it for himself. He hasn't experienced it. And he can allow himself to believe something that is patently ridiculous. Oh, my God. I did not yeah, inquire w- further. Yeah, that was happening to me back when my the store I worked at was still open. And we had so many customers that were just like, this is all phony and stuff. And, of course, but the fact that someone said that to you, like, very recently. Yeah. Troubles me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There was also uh, in the diner scene uh, when after the attack when um, they come back in and then the mother like starts approaching uh, Tippy Hendren's character and she thinks that she, like she starts blaming it like you're like you they only started <gasps> oh, happening yeah. when you came into town uh, and just thinks like calls her evil and shit and I was just like trying to, like people trying to bl- place the blame on yeah, somebody the the, the, instead yeah. of just nature just happening yeah it's literally just birds tippy hedron didn't <laughs> ask the birds to kill people 
do people have like theories and everything about like what do because people love to just not accept that something's not explained like i'm sure someone's like oh i bet the lovebirds that she brought did this or maybe she, maybe she mm-hmm. did do this or something like that well um yeah i don't know <laughs> yes and no i mean literally one of the first shots when she's crossing the street into the the pet shop in san francisco you can see the birds kind of flocking above the square oh, yeah. um <laughs> so i think that would just say that like this has been happening and there's not really anything like we're gonna be able to do about it yeah oh, <laughs> um, um yeah. Oh, yeah no sorry continue <laughs> oh. <laughs> um I don't know how to phrase this question without sounding like a dick, but like, okay. <laughs> I didn't like her character for the most part. <laughs> like, am I supposed mm-hmm. to? Well, I don't. I don't know that the movie necessarily requires you to. I mean, That's she's true. basically Paris Hilton. Like, she's this right? kind of. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, she's this idle, bored, rich heiress who doesn't have to work to do anything. Yeah. And she kind of. I mean, there's that um, conversation that she and her new beau have, like, at the mm-hmm. Kathy's birthday party that I think will determine, like, w- whether or not, you know, you're actually getting in with her character because that is, like, kind of revealing her arc of, like, oh, yes, I was the person who was jumping into fountains in Rome and doing all this wild stuff and not taking life seriously, but I'm really trying to, you know, gather my shit together and actually, like, help the world. Yeah. And... Yeah. You know, she doesn't get, like, a full, complete arc because she just gets completely torn apart by birds, like, (laughs) physically and emotionally. Um, But I think that's, I mean, honestly, again, a reflection of something that's been happening to a lot of people now. I feel like a lot of people before, you know, going to lockdown are finally, like, it's 2020, we're setting up, we're changing our lives, we're doing shit. And then, you know, sometimes nature just says, fuck you. Yeah, the amount of people, myself included, that were just trying to get our shit together and said 2020 is our year, we're shut down immediately. Yep. (laughs) Now I feel like I was too mean on her character. Because she does does have, even though it's not a full arc, like you said, she does grow as a character once she gets to the town, especially. Mm. I think it's just... Going back to just me being, having no attention span and, like, I guess it's, like, amusing her, like, whole, like, long, long grift prank of, like, literally driving hours just to, just as a goof slash to possibly get some dick, like. (laughs) (laughs) And just the whole time I'm watching it, I'm just like, why are you doing this? I guess, I guess because she has nothing better to do. Yeah, I (laughs) I think that's what's kind of sad about her (laughs) is that she has the time and the resources to do anything she wants. And this is what she has chosen to do. Um, And also something I never noticed until this time, but in the scenes where she's like, you know, driving across the beautiful landscape from San Francisco to Bodega Bay, she is a terrible driver. Um, (laughs) Like you see that kind of close up shot of the birds kind of like swaying back and forth as she makes the curves and you hear her tires just squealing. And (laughs) I think it's supposed to be like a thing of just like, oh, she's, you know, just really careless and she's living her life without mm-hmm. consequence. Yeah. And because she's <laughs> doing this patently ridiculous thing that is completely pointless. And what does she think she's going to get from it? Just because she assumes that like, oh, I'm going to get this dig. Like, yeah. I deserve this, basically. <laughs> I mean, it did, it did work. So I guess I shouldn't criticize. Yeah. If anyone like why would Rod Taylor 
like fall for it basically that's fr- if if i found like a bird cage in my house that someone had snuck in and took off on a boat i wouldn't date that person <laughs> i would lock the doors from now on ah oh straight God. people back at it I, again I, I, I believe she broke into the house i forgot about that that's a mess privilege. exactly oh boy huh but yeah well i think this would have read a lot differently in 1963 yeah. um yeah because basically the first 45 minutes of this movie are setting up like a screwball romantic comedy yeah um and then <laughs> things just get really fucked up by birds <laughs> yeah um hence the title but i think i think those character decisions would have made more sense if you were more familiar with like that genre at the time which most people nowadays just aren't that's true so you think that they were trying to set up like a doris day rock hudson thing going on or something and then suddenly birds happen yeah absolutely okay i actually dig that well because i think down um i for well because that's the subversion you know because yeah what hitchcock is doing with this is that you know, setting you up to expect something, whether it is like her completing a character arc or something, just having it be, you know, kind of interrupted and torn apart by this horrible, like tense situation. And the thing that I really love is the very first seagull attack when she's going back across the water after she has completed her delivery. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, because the tension of that scene is, is he going to catch her? Is he going to catch up with her? Cause mm-hmm. she's like, you know, sneaking down the dog yeah. and she's looking back. She's like, Ooh. And <laughs> she's like, Oh, I hope he doesn't see me and come out of the barn. And <laughs> then when she's taking the boat across the lake, you see his car driving around the lake and you're like, Oh, is he going to catch up with her and meet her? And then he's standing there on the dock. And that's the, like, that's the scene where like in a romantic comedy, the tension is relieved because you're like, oh, now I know. Like, this is the conclusion of the arc of this scene of yeah. like, oh, they're going to meet. They're going to fall in love. They're going to have a conversation. And then the bird just comes in and fucks his shit right up. <laughs> and like when you're least expecting it, because the scene seems to have finally like reached its cap and then it raises it one more time to something completely different. Yeah. And I don't know. I just, I, I really like this movie. A lot. Yeah. No, I did. I <laughs> Yeah, you're, you're bumping up my rating as we speak, Reddy, so, like, you're doing your job. Oh, my gosh. I think my favorite attack was, honestly, the fireplace one. Oh, I was, oh yeah. I was not expecting that. <laughs> it just kind of one bird zooms in, kind of chill, and she's like, uh, Mitch. And then, <laughs> like, the, like the Hogwarts letters. Yes! Oh, yes! oh my God. It's just like, how do you... How, how do you react to that? How, what would you do? Like, because whenever I watch a horror movie, my like my brain is always just like, how would I get out of this? How would I? Get out? And there's like, mm-hmm. you're fucked. Like they're in yeah. there. Yeah. Like you they're could leave the, the house, house, but there's yeah. birds there too. There's, there's <laughs> birds everywhere. Yeah. I could not believe that everyone at the birthday party. I mean, kids are stupid, I guess sometimes. But like all the kids were just like running a muck like oh, yeah. instead of going for the house that's right there. Um, <laughs> the poor Wait. children. <laughs> The amount of children in peril in this movie is hilarious to me. Yeah, I was thinking about how Michael would think it's funny. <laughs> oh, yeah? <laughs> oh, I do have a question for both of you. Yeah, like, you. Were there any scenes that like actually legitimately, maybe not scared you, but like made you tense when you were watching it? Hmm. What I liked the most, I liked the scenes where it's like in between. It's like them walking, trying to walk to... Um, the school teacher's house 
mm-hmm. and the birds aren't attacking, but they're all there. Like that. Yeah. That I was more yeah. tense during those than the attack scenes. During the attack scenes, I was having a great time and just like oh, yeah. cackling. <laughs> but but when nothing's happening and it could happen at any moment, I think those were like even more brilliant. Yeah. yeah. Definitely. That, that, and the scene uh, where she goes up the staircase uh, near the end and she's just got the flashlight and she's oh, like yeah. walking up the staircase mm-hmm. right before she goes into the room with the birds. Oh, that's girl. also like, I was like, don't do it. Well, that's some don't haunted house it. shit too. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I like, I, I don't know. I, with certain like older classic movies, I really can put myself in the skin of someone like who would be watching it at the time and kind of, Find it scary? Sometimes I can't. Um, but with this one, especially, like, yeah, that scene where she's just smoking a cigarette waiting for class to get out so she can get Kathy back to her house. And yeah. every time it cuts to that wide shot of her, there's more and more birds on the playground yeah. behind her. Yeah. And then she notices a bird because it's flying from in front of her. And so, like, you track with her, like, her eye line of, like, oh, this bird's flying over me and it lands behind me. And there's suddenly dozens of birds that yeah. I can see. Yeah. And like yeah, the the way that the tension builds there, and all you're getting is those irritating kids singing the like tickety now now now. That was the longest ass song. Oh. I was like, how long is this? <laughs> I was like, what are they learning by doing this? <laughs> oh my goodness. That that going back to like watching this during a pandemic, like that that reminded me of I guess of this situation too, just because like. They're really acting like nothing happened. I guess the whole town might not know about anything, but at this point, like, a man literally had his eyes eaten out by birds. Mm. And, like, they're still just like, all right, kids, go to school. <laughs> yeah, like, the news hasn't spread fast enough. People aren't taking action quickly enough. Like, yeah. I think I... Yeah. Let me see if I wrote down something. Um, but you can continue. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, there's a part where they, they're kind of, they say, like, we need to act now and get Bodega Bay, like, basically on lockdown is what they're saying. Yeah. And so, like, Rod Taylor's arguing, like, the quicker we handle this, the better we're going to be able to, yeah. you know, fix it. But everyone wants evidence for themselves that it's actually happening and therefore yeah. it becomes worse. Yeah. And they'd rather just continue, like, normal. Yeah, man, this was a wild watch for them. <laughs> yeah, I, w- <laughs> I wasn't expecting that. But yeah, it 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 hit real hard on, yeah, on this one. Right? I mean, nor should you, because like this. I mean, we have birds aren't attacking us. Yeah, <laughs> it could just be because of the situation. We're gonna find something, but I don't know. Well, um, but I also think that speaks to the kind of universality of it, because like, yes, it's a ridiculous premise. It's a bunch of birds pecking out you know, people's eyes and attacking kids and stuff. Like, it's a fun, like, campy, mm-hmm. silly, yeah. like nature strikes back, run amok horror movie, but the the human element in it is realistic and has carried across the rivers of time yeah. <laughs> like it still <laughs> is accurate yeah oh uh, and also in the scene i think uh when the birds came in through the fireplace and then they're like they just came in they attacked and the policeman's like well were you shining any lights or like aggravating the birds and it's just like yeah. no <laughs> It's like how could how would they all just like just come in through the fireplace like that though? So like, and like this is still even with the evidence in front of them, they're just still kind of like, well, maybe it was something you did. Uh, and it's just so insane. I'm just like even just you have the evidence right there, but no, just to not until fair, it happens I, to I you. I mean, that that is fair though because like it's still animals that you're dealing with, and you're not immediately gonna like jump to some conspiracy theory about 
like birds banding together to <laughs> overlord us. Like I don't know. Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. that, I, I feel like that's fair. Like yeah, it is. So, like, it is hard I, to believe, but yeah. th- that's the like the tricky thing about it. Yeah. yeah, it's like the lady in the diner that she's like I'm. That was like the bird expert, and she's oh, like, I love her. They're, they're pan. They're pan brains or something like that. Oh yeah, yeah. like <laughs> okay. It's like, oh yeah, she was great. She was really confident in her skills. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just looking through my notes. No, oh, you're same. Good. No, yeah, I, I. She she was in my notes. The resident bird expert. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> then of course the second everything gets attacked she's like oh okay um okay do you want to hear another one of my annoying film school theories about this movie oh please yes yes okay uh well basically this is the scene like right after the diner conversation where the birds blow up a gas station (laughs) Um, oh my god (laughs) which first of all is hilarious it's oh my god when i realized what was about to happen (laughs) yeah the guy's like i'm just gonna smoke a cigarette at this gas station it's 1963 (laughs) um (laughs) But I, when I was watching it, like, the second or third time, I was watching it for a class where I was, like, supposed to be analyzing it. And I was like, holy shit, I think I've cracked the code of this movie. (laughs) (laughs) Because, obviously, you know, it's about, like, nature striking back. And there's, you know, the thing that you said with the interview from Hitchcock where it's, like, it is about, you know, the way we interact with nature. But in that scene, all the four elements come into play. (gasps) So we've got the fire from the gas station. Um, the firefighters show up and they start spraying water from the hoses. There's like a cabbage cart that gets overturned, like in the last airbender. And <laughs> so we've got the fire, the water and the earth and the birds are the air. And so everything is kind of congregating, like all four elements of nature are together in this scene, kind of wreaking havoc everywhere. And I just think that's really cool. Yes. I love it. I love it. I love it. The- yeah, on top of all the ridiculous things happening in that scene, you just mentioned the fact that there's, like, a horse-drawn carriage carrying cabbages or whatever. <laughs> yeah. I was like, what is happening? <laughs> it's, 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 it's a remarkable town, Bodega Bay. I guess so. <laughs> oh, my gosh. But that's a real town, right, that, that they filmed in? Um, yes, it's not called Bodega Bay. Let me okay. look up what it's called. Yeah, because I, I saw in the trivia that Alfred Hitchcock hated filming on location a lot So because he, he wanted to do studio stuff as much as possible. So, yeah, this was definitely a town, but I it's don't remember the name. It's a gorgeous town, though. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And it is it is really on the outskirts of San Francisco. Like, that is where it is. It It's just really basically just a name change. Like, the town is pretty accurately portrayed. Um, but I am looking up the name. Just one Sorry. moment, please. Thanks. Your inner producer <laughs> is looking it up. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, no worries. <laughs> Sorry, just my phone's freaking out right now. Yeah, we're we're all freaking out. Um, Fair. L, do you have anything you want to talk about while this happens? Um. Oh gosh. I'm trying to think of something. Well, the what was in, I think the what was interesting at the end when after she experienced that attack from the birds um and her reaction to when she's like freed from it by uh uh mitch that's his name and she's just like in this catatonic state and then he's trying to help her and she starts attacking him because she thinks yeah yeah like the trauma of it is just like i can't even imagine like i i thought that was really like interesting to have put into for the main character because uh, you don't really yeah, see she- anybody else like having that kind of reaction because she's uh, been going personally. through this shit since the beginning of the occurrence. Yeah. <laughs> she was the first one to be attacked, so. 
at that point. Yeah. Oh God! Yeah. Too. Oh yeah. No, sorry. It actually looks like Bodega uh, Bodega Bay is a real place in Sonoma County. Oh. So. Oh. Who knew? Let's go. All right. Um, cool. Yeah. Oh, please. It's so. It's so beautiful. <laughs> um. But yeah. Oh, the part at the end where the birds have kind of stopped for the time being, and you don't know if they're gonna start up again. They're all just yeah. sitting there, and they have to walk to the car through the just yeah. infinite yeah. birds. And <laughs> when Tippy Hedren just goes, no. No. <laughs> She's like, I no. refuse. <laughs> no, thank you. Oh my god, I don't blame her. That Yeah, those were truly the scariest parts for me. Oh my gosh. Yeah, and I I love um I love Well, Tippy Hedren has the most ridiculous 60s haircut that's like <laughs> we need to show all of her forehead. Um yeah. but it's so like perfect and quaffed because you know she's this like pretty rich girl doing her thing Mm -hmm. but it just gets slowly and more severely like discomposed over the course of the movie (laughs) where by the end she's just like it's like in 18 different directions it's great and that's realistic yeah Yeah, and she had fucking edith head did her costume oh yeah speaking of 60s romantic movies like you were mentioning (laughs) oh yeah like that that green like pantsuit thing that she has oh yeah so glorious yeah, I wasn't expecting to see that name in the credits when I was like, oh, you just had <laughs> Okay. Surprise. <Hello. laughs> Surprise. Okay. L, do you have a um, a true life event for this? I do. Okay. Yeah, it actually takes place in California. Hey. Oh, great. <laughs> I, know, I know her. Uh, it's Capitola, California, actually, which is right by uh, Santa uh, Cruz. So okay. down the coast. Uh, it was actually before this film came out, uh, two years before, in 1961. Uh, thousands of migrating sooty shearwater seabirds had diverted from their usual flight path. Uh, they had eaten, like, the anchovies they had eaten are important to the story. Oh. Uh, <laughs> it was a bad batch of them off the coast of Rio del Maro. Uh, and they weren't feeling well, so they needed to find a place to shore. And there had been a thick fog that had settled in the nearest landmark that they could see at night, because this was like three in the morning when this happened, was the lights of Capitola. Uh, and so the residents and visitors there reported hearing like these smashing and like banging and all these noises on their roofs. And some of them stepped outside with flashlights and the birds would fly straight at them. Oh, God. Uh, yeah. Some woman uh, that lived in Opal Cliffs opened the door and she said that like six birds tried to immediately like get into her house. Uh, according to Frank Perry, who is the curator of the Capitola Historical Museum, uh, the owner of the Venetian Court Motel at the time was named Edna Messini. Uh, she was bitten by one of the birds during the frenzy. Uh, she said she heard the birds crying like babies and that they slammed against buildings. Uh, they regurgitated fish and then they knocked themselves out. Uh, it's just Friday night for me. <laughs> just an August night in Capitola. Uh, so in the morning, uh, the yards and the streets were just covered in dead birds uh, everywhere and just like partially digested anchovies that had managed to get regurgitated by them. Wow. Uh, and the birds that had survived uh, lacked the strength to leave Capitola and so they were like hundling under cars. They were like hiding out in alleyways and from the cats that had been attracted to the smell of fish that were coming into town. Uh, The citizens worked together and they managed to gather the remaining birds and take them to the ocean where it was reported that they were able to regain their liveliness. Uh, Frank Perry said that like truckloads of dead birds were just hauled away and there was like several thousand of them. Wow. 
public works and various sanitation departments like sent out the guys to collect them uh and a lot of them had been run over in the streets unfortunately Aww. at this time so it was an enormous wet mess uh Dead birds were also found along Monterey Bay, but most of it was concentrated inside of Capitola and Opal Cliffs. Uh, experts at the time speculated that the dense fog had caused the birds to crash land in Capitola, but the true source was still a mystery. Uh, the episode made national news, and it caught the eye of one part-time Scotts Valley resident, Mr. Alfred Hitchcock. Oh! Uh, All right. <laughs> yeah. And the director asked editors of the Santa Cruz Sentinel to send him a copy of their news article. He was at Hollywood at the time, and he had just started doing work for the Birds film. So, like, oh. he literally just had hired the writer to oh, so start out the in production, and he's like, oh, yeah, baby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so a lot of locals believe that the incident was inspiration for the film, but it just happened to like happen at the same time that they were right. developing the film. Um, but it does get a mention in the movie. There's a line that said a bunch of birds were attacking Capitol Capitola City. Uh, so if I guess gotta rewatch it again <laughs> so I could be like, that's like, super it's, cool. It's a real. It's really mentioned into it. Um, it's like how. So uh, it, sorry, what? Oh, uh, they're just a uh, little bit picking up for that uh in 1991 there was a massive seabird die-off that happened in monterey bay uh and they found out the culprit was toxic algae bloom and scientists in 2012 uh studied zooplankton from the bay that the scripps institute for oceanography had collected back in the summer of 61 uh and they found that it was the same type of uh algae that had evolved from the algae into the plankton and into the birds that caused them to go into that frenzy and just attacking people. Uh, nothing like the Capitol incident has occurred ever since. Um, it's just really a coincidence that it just happened to happen right when this was being made. Yeah, that's wild. Uh, Frank Perry says that the only way that it could have been better is if the incident happened just when the movie was released because then that would have really boosted <laughs> ticket sales. <laughs> So. I did hear that outside of some theaters, they would hide speakers in the bushes to play bird noises for people who were leaving. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. In the UK, that he hid them in the in the UK and trees and stuff. He would hide them and scare them when they came out from the movie theater. It's so that's so William Castle. I do love that. <gasps> You're right. Oh my god. <laughs> Brandon, was there something else you were trying to say, or was that it about the the speaker birds? Oh, I was just saying like the the kind of incorporating the the bird thing into the movie um is kind of like how Wes Craven when he was making New Nightmare he kind of incorporated the Northridge earthquake into everything where it's oh, like yeah. oh this literally just happened while we were making it like let's just kind of fold it into the movie and it's like a cool kind of <laughs> concurrent with the real life thing that's pretty awesome yeah I mean, that's wild why not <laughs> <laughs> Alfred Hitchcock is responsible for those bad anchovies isn't he he did it <laughs> <laughs> all for the birds that's... i mean i wouldn't put it past him he he loved to promote his movies in strange ways he sure did <laughs> I, 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 I remember seeing something that was like a promotion for the birds like he was like standing on like some kind of set and he had like this bird and the bird like pecked at him he's like now why would he do that and then he was like talking about the bird <laughs> i still remember that i don't remember where i saw it but i remember that and i was just like oh i know what this is for his early previews are pretty fun. Like the one where he, he's doing Psycho and he's like walking through this room yeah. and he like opens up the shower curtain or something. He's like, oh, that's the bathroom. Yeah. Oh my gosh. 
<laughs> yeah, the entire psycho trailer is just Alfred Hitchcock showing you the set. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I love it. Well, love the timing of that. That's that's wild, actually. Um, so the third portion of this podcast is if we talk about if the movie's gay or not. <laughs> yeah. Right. Do you have anything first off? I do. Okay. Um, my answer to your question is Miss Annie Hayworth, uh, yes. the teacher yes. with whom uh, Tippi Hedren takes up residence. Mm-hmm. Oh, she's queer as fuck. Look. That she's, cardigan. That- yeah, that cardigan, <laughs> the fact that she's instantly suspicious of this beautiful woman. She's like, oh, you're here for Mitch Brenner, aren't you? Like, I know exactly what's going on. And, like, you can tell she's jealous. And in her backstory, it's like, oh, I was in love with Mitch, whatever, and I just stayed here. And it's like, first of all, platonically hanging out with your ex and his mom, very queer. Yes. Um, and also, I just have the sense that she's more jealous of Tippi Hedren than she is of Rod Taylor. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> what, what about you two? No, that was exactly what the, that, that was the vibes. That, that was the, the, the picture that I told you about that I saw where the poster said that it looked like a oh, uh-huh. pulp novel. It's when she's like lighting her cigarette when they first meet. And it's oh, just like, yeah, it's hot. Yes. The vibe, <laughs> The tension there that's mm-hmm. happening with, in the conversation there. I'm just like, yeah, my scene. She, she stays with her. She mm-hmm. offers her brandy. She's in a robe. I'm like, yes, okay, keep going. Keep going. <laughs> and then keep going. we know she's queer because she gets killed in it. All right? Right? Like, yeah. Fair. That, I hated that scene so much. I know. Um, oh, my God. There's actually in that scene, uh, Alfred Hitchcock wanted her to go to makeup so that way she could have like her ear partially hanging off. But the way that she's facing, you'd never see it. Oh. And that was part of like his humor, I guess. And I was just like, that's a dick. <laughs> Spend hours in makeup for something we won't see. Yeah. And why not show it? That sounds cool. I know. I was totally down for it. And this movie but... was like kind of gory for the time. Yeah. The, the dude's eyes, man. I'm I'm still traumatized yeah. by that. <laughs> yeah, and um, something we didn't mention is that there is no score to this movie. Um, oh, there's no yeah. musical accompaniment, um, except for diegetic music. So like, I think there's a classical piece that okay. plays on the radio at one point, and then the the kids singing their annoying song. Um, oh <laughs> but I think, you know, in the hands of a less talented director, that would be really obnoxious, and you'd feel like something was deeply wrong with the movie. Um, but just the way that the sound is crafted, like literally, um, Bernard Herman, who did the score for psycho, he is Mm -hmm. credited in this movie as sound consultant because they (laughs) kind of created the music and the rhythm out of like the bird noises and the sounds of the town and everything. But the kind of absolutely blank soundtrack where you just get this bleak up close, look at his pecked out eyes. Like it makes it feel so real and it's such a flash. Um, cause you know, they couldn't show it that for you know they couldn't revel in it in 1963 yeah um yeah. but that like brief silent shot that feels like in like a subliminal image almost you're like oh that's intense yeah <laughs> and then poor jessica tandy running down the hallway like, oh, oh yeah <gasps> she just refuses to tell anyone what's going on I know, dude she goes full hereditary she just gets in her car and <laughs> yeah <laughs> like well that didn't happen <laughs> it's time for bed yeah. Well, yeah, I didn't even notice that there's no score. I guess that's fascinating. <laughs> Just like Portrait of a Lady on Fire. So this is a queer movie. We've cracked a code. <laughs> oh, is there no score in that movie? I still need to see it. No. Oh, 
it's it's on Hulu now. Yeah, there's yes. no score. This just it's just diegetic music, like you mentioned. Like there's one point Ooh. where a bunch of group of women are singing some song, and you're like, yeah, I can get it. Yes, but, yes, yeah. Yes. There's no score. That and Ooh. I'm trying to think. The Nightingale also doesn't have a score. If you've seen that, yeah. I'm just thinking of recent examples. I dig that. I like Portrait of Lady on Fire. I really want to see, but I've been waiting for the right time, yeah. like for the right mood. That's that's okay. fair. It's definitely we can get into wind downs if you want. Um, sure. Because Elle, you just watched that, right? Yes, I you did. Want, you want to talk about? You're like, hey. Yes, <laughs> I did. Okay. Well, look uh, at that segue. All right. <laughs> um, yeah, I did. I did watch Portrait of Lady on Fire because uh, it was on Hulu, and I was like, oh, I have, I have to see it like right now. Um, it was so good. I it was one of those movies where I forget that it's in a, it's a foreign language film. So every time it, I was like, oh yeah, I gotta actually watch it because <laughs> I can't just like kind of listen and do something else at the same time. Yeah. Uh, but it was it was worth it. It was really good. And um, you were talking to it about with about it with Sydney. Uh, yeah. Um, but like I think the Sydney's review about it, um, where it's like she just absolutely adored like the way that. The characters were portrayed because uh they're you know they're lesbians um but it's like the way that it's done is so like i think she was doing comparison to like carol um yeah. or just like the differences between the two um and yeah that's what our grudge match was about last night the- it was a <laughs> private conversation oh uh, uh, no it was all very amiable it was all- <laughs> yeah we were respectful but yeah, well, I I I trusted his opinion about that uh, of the portrait of a lady on fire and just like how it's done and it's just very, I don't know how else to say it, but it's like tastefully done, I guess, uh-huh. um, and just like the way it's shot and how the characters are portrayed and like seen by everybody is just so well done. I absolutely loved it, and the director is a lesbian, so I think yeah. that also helps as well. Yeah, <laughs> and her ex being one of the main characters, like so. <laughs> There you go. Oh, the inherent lesbianism <laughs> of working with your ex on a lesbian film. <laughs> <laughs> but it was so it was so so good. Um, but other than that, I haven't. I, I finished the first season of Succession. Oh my god. Um, yeah, I'm I'm so ready to get into the second season. I'm excited. Um, it was really good as well. Uh, and HBO's free for the rest of April. Uh, for oh, anybody nice. to watch, so really, please watch it. Yeah, okay. I think it's like yeah, yeah, I think yeah. it's only like specific shows, but Succession is one of them. Yeah, so if you haven't, Brendan, have you watched that? Actually, no. A lot yeah. of the <laughs> prestige television shows, I'm usually like, you know what? <laughs> I'm either gonna wait ten years or not at all. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. There's so many like, shows. I know it's just so it's many. it's overwhelming. Like that's my like. <laughs> I'm not saying it's the right reaction, but my knee-jerk reaction when a like a new big prestige like hour-long drama happens is like, oh, Breaking Bad. I'm never gonna watch that. Um, <laughs> it's like I'm good. I don't need to watch like seven seasons of an hour-long network show. It's gonna be like 800 hours of my life. Like I will. <laughs> Game of Thrones. Hello. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I mean, I watched the first and last season of Game of Thrones, <laughs> um, and I feel like I got everything. <laughs> um, <laughs> Look, I, I can be a little shit when it comes to that, like, level of commitment to a TV show. And I highly resist it unless it's, like, a Buffy or Crazy Ex-Girlfriend <laughs> or something. And those are not dramas necessarily, so. No. Oh, my God. I still have to see the last season of Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. I literally yes, haven't watched do. it because of Fate Greg. 
<laughs> but but it's Skylar Aston. Like he's good. Do you, <laughs> Allegedly, no. <laughs> do you, do you not like him, or do you just not like the replacement of Santino Fontana? Both. We got Skylar Aston has never done anything to me personally, but I think his. <laughs> this is what again one of those petty things where, anytime I see him, I just like. Uh, my fight or flight response reacts because his character in Pitch Perfect is like the most annoying person I've ever come across. Is it because you want Becca and Chloe to get together? Uh, I mean, well, that too, but he's just, as a person. <laughs> I know who ridiculous. you're talking about now. His, he, it's just one of those faces where it's just like, I don't trust it. I, just, I can't <laughs> I don't trust that. I don't know. And now he's on another musical show that I would be watching if he weren't on it. Maybe I should just give Skylar Aston a chance. Look, he's not. You, you need to give Jane Levy a chance in Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist <laughs> is the thing. Oh, and so, also, sorry, what? So you've watched uh, that? Yes, I'm very behind, but okay. I've watched like three or four episodes. Look, I like Skylar Aston enough. Uh, he does good at the songs that he sings. Hooray. Um, <laughs> but I love Jane Levy. Um, okay. Mary Steenburgen is in it. Um, and then Alex Newell, who played Unique on Glee, if you watched Glee. How how far into Glee are we talking? Uh, probably like season three. Um, it was like a genderqueer um, African-American student. Okay. I don't think I remember this person. but Okay. Good, good. But Alex Newell is phenomenally talented. Um, and he like brings this like magical queer energy to it because he's like out and proud, non-binary, like beautiful, elegant, like beautiful, like just fantastic person who can sing like his vocal cords out. Um, (laughs) good for him. Very ecstatic to see him in anything because I haven't seen him since Glee. Um, but yeah, so you should give it a shot you can ignore the Skylar Ashton scenes frankly he's not as important to the plot as um okay. I thought he would be at first at least so far okay. um it is a it the show does have like a surprisingly raw emotional aspect to it so like I don't know get ready like just be prepared <laughs> oh Jesus okay um because it is uh Jane Levy this is in like the trailer so reveal it because it's not like spoilers um but her character's father has like a motor like a a i don't know what the type of disease is but he basically has like tv version of ms um where his motor skills don't really work he's kind of like trapped in his own body and can't really like move or talk very well um and there's a lot of stuff with that that's really like raw and difficult but it's really beautiful um, in a way that I was not expecting for this, sh- like, dumb musical show. Right. <laughs> Her crazy ex-girlfriend does that, too. The- oh, yeah. Oh. Oh, my oh. God. So you've seen season three, then, right? Yeah. Yeah. Ooh, that that might have been another reason I needed a break. <laughs> yeah. That, that scene on the airplane. Yeah. Um, I st- think about that, like, weekly. That's the episode where, like... At, at the end of it, they literally have the suicide hotline number yeah. listed. Yeah. But I think that that show handled that so well and it yeah. like incorporated it so well into the fabric of what it was doing. But it, like, yeah. that's a hard, like I watched that episode right before I had to drive to work and I was like, I don't know that. Oh, no. <laughs> like, I want to call in sick today. <laughs> <laughs> I just watched Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Gotta go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, uh, well, Brennan, I've, I've we like hijacked the wind down. Is there anything you want to talk about that you've been watching? Uh, I mean, I talked about Zoe, so that's probably you good. Did. I did. I also watched uh, Trolls World Tour last night at the oh my God. home video <laughs> premiere. 
Um, <laughs> Go on. Have either of you seen Trolls? Yes. No. Okay. <laughs> I thought Trolls was a surprisingly fun like kids movie. Like I actually enjoyed it quite a bit. Like way more There's than I was expecting to. There's a scene in the first Trolls. Which one? Where like Justin Timberlake's grandma gets eaten. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, my yeah. god. That's terrifying. Yeah, that's <laughs> wild. Um, so just it goes a lot of places you don't expect, and it has that kind of Lego movie energy of like a new thing is happening every 15 seconds, and it's really overwhelming. <laughs> oh um, and this new one is extra like that because it introduces like seven different lands and 15 new characters and in about the same amount of time that it they're doing like this whole story with all the characters we already know and it's extremely overwhelming and all over the place but it actually had a surprisingly current message about like imperialism and diversity and the way that um the way to like promote well the word the word tolerance isn't the word we use anymore but the like the way to <laughs> embrace diversity yeah. Um, isn't to make everyone homogenous, but to ex- like embrace everyone's different like cultures and the fact that we are different and understand that that's a good thing. Um, and obviously that's like a pretty standard kids movie thing where it's like embrace your differences, like ch- yeah. like be yourself, but in a way that was like very much about cultural diversity, like kind of in a general societal state in a way that I hadn't seen from a kids movie before, and I was like that's kind of cool. <laughs> Oh, okay. Good for Okay, trolls. <laughs> okay. okay. Yeah. Trolls. <laughs> and it, you know, it's it's fine. Like um <laughs> speaking of craziest girlfriend, Rachel Bloom plays the main villain in Trolls <gasps> oh, World oh Tour. Oh my god. Okay. Yeah, well. it's like she plays hard rock <laughs> troll. <laughs> oh my god. Um, and so she's always talking with her like so cow rocker accent like, "God, I want rock." Like, yeah. <laughs> so, that's something. It's okay. I look, I'm not like recommending it but it was better than i anticipated it would be well you had me at rachel bloom playing hard rock troll oh yeah (laughs) was this did you have to like rent it as a vod yes it's 20 bucks right now um i know i know i know (laughs) i know um it will drop at some point because the it's like because it was going straight to theaters right and the thing is for for families who would have gone to see it 20 bucks is way cheaper than they would have spent at the theater like you know if you're taking two kids and a partner and buying popcorn and everything like this is a steal but -hmm. if you're just you know a person in an apartment trying to watch trolls too like it's not gonna it's not gonna work for you (laughs) but it worked for you (laughs) yeah well look i just want to watch new movies i crave it no yeah i'm not judging (laughs) um but yeah i do i have had to pick like one a month like last month was the hunt and now we're doing this one um but yeah, so if it follows the like VOD model that some of those other movies have been following, it's probably going to drop to like nine or seven, probably in a couple months. And if you care enough, you can check yeah. it out. But like, I mean, whatever. I'm not, I'm not like jump into it, but I. <laughs> yeah. Like, I'll probably end up. The reason I watched the first one was because I was babysitting my cousin's kids, so maybe that's how I'll watch this one. Because I'm sure yeah. they'll be all over that. I, look, it's going to end up somewhere at some point. Yeah, it will. No, well, yeah. well, thanks for sharing that. That's not something I don't think we ever would have thought to discuss. On. You're welcome. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, oh, I guess I, yes. I forgot to mention also, uh, I watched uh, Scream 2 for the first time. Oh, nice. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> for the first time. Um, I had a great time. It was fun. It's time, girlfriend. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
I didn't know anything about it, so the twist at the end was very nice. Ooh. Oh my god, Miss Miss Metcalf, Miss Debbie Salt. Yes. Oh my god, it was so nice. Um, and then after that, I watched uh, John Mulaney and the Sack Lunch Bunch, nice. which was also great. And Jake Gyllenhaal coming in at the end as, mis- as Music Man. He's just absolutely unhinged. And I was just like, what if Jake Gyllenhaal was in the lighthouse? And my friend uh, texted me. She's like, I couldn't I couldn't do that. I would I just that movie would be too much. He, then. Would, he would already start unhinged. He wouldn't, it He's already. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, I. I'd also watch in those. Um, I have, I think the third and the fourth one are also on Netflix to watch. So I'm, I'm getting ready to watch those too as well. You absolutely oh, should. Yeah. <laughs> I'm ready too. Wait, oh, uh, I. T- but yeah, oh, sorry. <laughs> what? I totally forgot to mention that the other night when I watched the birds to prep for this podcast, I decided. <gasps> Like, fuck it, I'm watching The Birds 2 Land's End. Yeah, please Um, please tell me about that. Okay, just real quick, because there's almost nothing to talk about with that movie. (laughs) Um, It's a made-for-TV movie by Rick Rosenthal, who made Halloween 2 and Halloween Resurrection. Um, Uh uh, But but he directed it under the name Alan Smithy, which do you... Are you familiar with that name? No. Okay, no. Okay, so it's a, like, really famous pseudonym that is, like, approved by the DGA. So for when a director wants to remove their name from a project that they really hate, um, they just (laughs) put the name Alan Smithy on it. Um, Oh, my God. Oh, my God. There's, like, a Hellraiser movie directed by Alan Smithy and some, like, shitty westerns from the 60s. And it's, like, a long-running thing from, like, the 60s to the early 2000s, I think. Um, Wow. So, yeah, he did not like this movie. It was in 94, so many years later. <laughs> many. Um, so, yeah, it's about this family that buys a house on this, like, East Coast island. Because it's kind of The Shining-esque because the dad needs to write his thesis. And the woman gets a job at the local island newspaper. And her boss is, like, trying to flirt with her. And basically, it's 1994, so they just got a computer at work. And so she's teaching him <laughs> how to use the computer. <laughs> And it's the sexiest computer scene, or at least the sexiest attempt at a computer scene. Because she's like, click slower, slower. You have to (laughs) click softer than that. And then, like, like, you know how they're making the the pot in Ghost when he has his hands over hers? Yeah. Um, She kind of does that with the mouse. Because she, like, (laughs) his hand is on the mouse, and she puts her hand over his, and she's like, you got to move it like this. And it's truly banana pants it's such a weird movie um but it's mostly just super bland and the hot dad runs around shirtless a lot so that's cool but (laughs) it's fine it's you know just a shitty birds movie and tippy hedron is in it for about 12 seconds um as a character named helen who is not related but she shows up and goes this sure is weird isn't it oh my god and she probably made more than the budget of the rest of the movie combined (laughs) Um, we gotta get that credibility here yeah um (laughs) but yeah not a good movie i do not recommend it it's super bland and boring but that computer scene is pretty wild (laughs) sounds like it that should be like a movie you watch when you have friends over and like you can do like shot games with that yes feel like whenever this happens but yeah definitely not worth your time otherwise although the dog had the (laughs) same name as my parents dog so that was kind of for me that was fun (laughs) Anyway, Kate, were you watching anything? Oh, yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll be brief. Uh, no I watched uh, Feel Good on Netflix. 
It's this. It's only six episodes. Very low commitment. I breeze through it, but it's about May Martin. Have you heard of that comedian, May Martin? She's yeah. Like, yeah. Okay. So this is it's her show, and it's so fucking good. It's just about. It's one of those like you know, based on their life kind of things, but also not because it's fictionalized, but mm-hmm. like because she was like went through an addiction, and so this this shows both about like her going through this new relationship with a a girl who like before now is identified as straight and so like the complications with that and also her complications with overcoming addiction and everything and it's wow. it's really good yeah and like it's one of those things where it can get real but it also has some really memorable lines and well, lisa and the- kudrow plays her mom oh okay right. okay oh you sold yeah. me i mean yeah. i was already sold but now <laughs> i'm fully watching it right now i'm ignoring you yeah, i'm watching the show like- <laughs> <laughs> bye yeah oh yeah and it's only six episodes Very, I, yeah that's Did you say good form? Uh, feel feel good. Feel good. Okay, I just feel good. Yeah, completely slipped out of my brain. Okay, feel oh, good. I'll watch it. <laughs> yeah, and, and um, the Shit's Creek finale happened. And... Okay, no spoilers because I'm not okay. caught up. But you liked okay. it? Yeah. Okay. I mean, I <laughs> you're, just you're like careful. Well, I, 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 you haven't seen it. I'm not gonna say anything. Uh-huh. <laughs> but but yes. Did it feel like a satisfying conclusion to the show to you? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It. Yes. You seem so conflicted now. I'm sorry I, I did this to you. No, it's okay. I'm just, I don't know how to like, what happened in the finale is very satisfying. But as a wrap up of the show, some things seemed like kind of rushed, but maybe oh. it's because they, they, but the whole season's been kind of leading up to this. So maybe that's why, like it does, there's nothing really unanswered. Okay. If that makes sense. This is I'm dude, I'm used to like the Gotham finale that like I don't even want to think about. So like this yeah, shit <laughs> is good. All right. <laughs> it it delivers. You're in good cool. hands. But I Thank don't you. yeah, I don't want to give anything away. No worries. But yeah, I, I'm like seven episodes behind, so I'm gonna have like a little mini just movie night of just the rest of Shit's Creek. Yes, oh my god. Yes. That's that's healing. <laughs> oh yeah. Feel good in Shit's Creek. That's a good good, good stuff. Alrighty. Any any last thoughts on the birds or anything? I'm I'm glad you had us watch it. Yeah, I'm I'm glad you did. I'm glad you did enjoy it. Um, you you didn't you did not disappoint me with your letterbox. That's fine. Um, <laughs> it's just Josh and. Disappoint Brennan ever. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm I'm happy. I had a chance to talk to you about it. Yeah. yeah. I, thank you so much for coming on. This was so great. Um, yes. Where can people find you if if you want to be found? Oh, um, <laughs> you can find me on Twitter at it's raining brens. On let oh wait uh well you can find me on Letterboxd just under my name um Brennan <laughs> Klein but on Instagram at the Burning Clem and you can find Queer Wolf on Twitter and Instagram at Queer Wolf Pod. Nice. Nice. Yeah, everyone. Everyone who isn't listening to Queer Wolf, what are you doing? Right. <laughs> Especially when I was on. Um, yeah. Y- y'all can find. <laughs> yeah. You guys can find me at Dyke Madden on Twitter. And you can find me at LM Designs on Twitter and the show on Facebook and Twitter. Uh, Facebook's is Stop Horror Time Pod and Horror Time Pod on Twitter. And uh, I always say that this podcast is great for people who want to know more about horror but just can't watch horror movies because one of my friends is like that and she loves listening to this. Aww. So Aww. Uh, if there's anybody you know uh, that is like that, uh, this is definitely one podcast and Queer Wolf as well. Yeah. Uh, for them so uh, we will see you guys in a couple of weeks and thank you so much right. for coming on Brennan it was so awesome yeah it was a pleasure <laughs> All right, take uh, care, so everyone. see you later bye